Welcome, everybody, to the weekend. I am so glad that you're with us. And, you know, we are truly a global community. We're a global church. We've got folks here in Minnesota. We've got folks regionally and people around the world. You are joining us every weekend. And I'm excited to be with you. And I'm thanking you ahead of time for praying for our services and participating in whatever ways that you can. If you're new with us, let us know. We'd love to get connected to you. We've been in a series called What in the World is Going on? Jesus' Words on the Future. We finished up looking at his words in what is known as the Olivet Discourse. That simply means Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives and he was telling his disciples that the temple was going to be destroyed, which caused them to ask, well, when is it going to happen? What will be the signs? And when are you going to return? And what will be the sign of the end of the world? So we talked quite a bit about that. Now, next weekend, we're going to talk about how to wait for our Lord to return. Then the weekend after that, we're going to talk about how to endure persecution until he returns. And what is the cause of persecution anyway, particularly as we get toward the end and there's an increase of it in our world and even here in our own country. But I thought that this weekend we would focus on something really exciting, and that is heaven, what we have to look forward to. As I mentioned last weekend, you know, you can wait patiently. You can endure suffering and difficulties if you know what's coming at the end. And what's at the end is incredible. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand heaven. They don't understand what it is. They don't understand how we're going to get there. And, you know, one of the things that kind of brings that out, the ignorance around heaven, uh, are cartoons that are oftentimes drawn up uh, to describe heaven and people's attitudes and we came across some, and I got permission to share them with you, and uh, I thought I'd do that. So let's start with this cartoon, uh, In Heaven. Uh, the caption says, in 1953, you were my math teacher. You promised that algebra would come in handy someday. How much longer do I have to wait? I can relate to that question. Or how about this one? My real estate agent found me this place. I said I wanted a home that requires no yard work, no painting, no snow shoveling, which means a lot here in Minnesota, a place where the weather is perfect and neighbors never complain about my music, thus heaven. Or how about this cartoon? The last thing she said to me was, would it kill you to apologize? <laughs> I like that one. Or this one, I don't know how you got my number up here, but I do not need any afterlife insurance, okay? And finally, my favorite, the last thing I remember, I was sitting in a staff meeting, apparently, I died of boredom. How many of you have been there or at least you had a near-death experience in a meeting that you thought would never end, right? So we have all these ideas about heaven and how we get there. We joke about it. You know, it's kind of fun sometimes to even listen to kids talk about their concepts of heaven. I heard about a, a child that his grandma had passed away and he's trying to cheer his family up. And he said, you know, I just know that grandma's so happy in heaven right now because in heaven they have Dairy Queen everywhere, right? Well, you get the picture. Heaven is beyond anything we can imagine. And yet, using our imagination is an important part of understanding heaven because God is the one who gave us an imagination. So what we're going to do this weekend is we're going to use our imaginations to try to conceive of what heaven must be like. But I like what Francis Schaeffer, the theologian and philosopher, said. 
He said, you know, imaginations for the Christian is a, is a beautiful thing. It's so freeing. It's a freedom that God has given us. But we have to make sure that our imaginations do not fly away from the truth, but fly on the truth. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to use our imaginations. I got a lot of scripture to share with you. And we're going to keep those two things together to begin to see what is ahead of us. And for those of us who have loved ones who have passed on, to kind of get a picture of what they're already beginning to taste and experience. So let's get started as we kind of move into this. Jesus was trying to prepare his followers for the fact that he was going to die he was going to be buried. He was going to then rise to the dead and ascend back to his father. A lot for them to take in. And he spoke these words to them in John chapter 14. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Remember we talked about that last weekend in John 14. In another portion, Jesus says, I want to give you a gift, peace of mind, peace of heart. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. Let's stop there for a moment, okay? So there's two ways that God can come and get us. Obviously, one would be if he returns in our lifetime, the second coming. And the other is when we pass from this life. You know, when we die, we close our eyes to this world to open our eyes immediately into his presence. And all of us are going to make that transition. God's going to come for us one way or the other. And I hope you're excited and ready for him whenever it is he comes for you and for me. He says that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. And of course, that way is Jesus in a relationship, a personal relationship with him. So let's talk a little bit about this place that he's preparing for us. And how do we get there? And what's involved in this transition that takes place in our lives with our bodies, in fact? And I got a couple of thoughts to share with you. Here's a principle to think about. Heaven is a place we have a homing instinct for. Heaven is a place that we have this homing kind of instinct for. You know, scientists who study creatures, animals, who uh, have a, a homing instinct in them, describe this homing instinct as an ability of that creature that God has created to travel across vast, unfamiliar distances to get to an original origin, all right? A place they know, a place they started, that they go back and forth to and just have an internal navigation of where it is and how to get there. It's actually very amazing in nature to see that. You know, what's interesting is that the University of Oxford did a research study not that long ago and they, they discovered that it doesn't matter where you live in the world. It doesn't matter what culture or ethnicity you're coming from. One of the things that we all have in common worldwide is this homing instinct in us that says we were created for more than just this life. There's that deep sense that, that after this life, there's something there for us. And so many cultures, many people hold this idea that at death, the mind or the spirit, however they think of it, is separated from the body and continues to live on into the future. And the question becomes, 
Where does that come from? And the scriptures beautifully answer it like in Ecclesiastes. It says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. I just really love that phrase. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. God has placed that in our hearts and lives. C.S. Lewis, who is so poetic with language sometimes, said something that kind of goes in line with this. He said, heaven is that remote music we are born remembering. It's a sunset, a sunrise, a starlit sky. There are so many things in creation alone which seem to jog our memory of a paradise lost, of a creator whom we, apart from all the other creatures, are uniquely connected to. And isn't that true? I mean, I mean, you had those experiences in nature or when you've just been alone and you've been just cognizant that I'm connected to something bigger than just this. There's more to life than, than just this. It's like it jogs your memory that, that God has so much more originally intended for us. And of course, by sin, we blew it. But God, who's a loving God, is making a way back, back to a new heaven and to a new earth. So let's talk a little bit now about this whole transition that our bodies are going to go through in order for us to inhabit the new heaven and the new earth. Second principle, we will be transformed in order to inhabit the new heaven and the new earth. There's going to be a transformation that takes place, literally a transformation in our bodies to make that possible for each and every one of us. And it's exciting to begin to just think about that. So use your imagination. Let, the, let your thoughts, your ideas, your imagination fly on the truth as we look at a couple of passages of Scripture that begin to describe this transition. First of all, out of Daniel. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Let's look at another passage of scripture. Jesus says, and I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God. And those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. Those who continued in evil will rise will rise to experience judgment. Do you, do you feel it? How is your imagination working? How do you imagine rising, right, from the dead, those bodies coming to life again and our, our spirits being connected back to this brand new body and spending eternity with the Lord? You know, Daniel, God's prophet, Jesus, God's son, 
and Paul, our Lord's apostle, are all telling us that there's going to be this great and, and wonderful bodily transformation that's going to take place in our hearts and lives. So let's take a look at that. I want to look at some scripture that's uh, I'm not going to put on the slide because um, I would just be way too much. But if you want to follow along, if you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 on your, you know, your regular Bible or your iPhone or whatever it is that you're using, you can do that. But I just want you to listen to what he says, all right? Paul writes and he says, but someone may ask, this is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. Now, Paul's not saying that it's foolish to ask what the resurrected body is going to be like. What he's doing is he's dealing with some uh, obnoxious, smart aleck Corinthians who are questioning whether or not there can honestly be a resurrection of the body. Let's continue on in verse 37. He says, and what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our heavenly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. So our bodies are going to go undergo a metamorphosis, right? When Christ returns, they're going to be changed. Remember, that be, the Bible says to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. Spirit separated from my body. This body is a glove that my spirit wears. But when, I, when Christ returns, if, if I have gone to be with him before and I'm, you know, I'm in heaven, in paradise with the Lord, when he returns, I return with him. My body's raised out, it's transformed, and my spirit enters it again. But now it's a, it's a transformed body. N.T. Wright, the theologian, he puts it this way. He says, we die with a corrupted physicality, but we are raised with an incorruptible physicality. Not a ghost body, but a real legitimate physical but resurrected body. Much, I think, like Jesus had when he rose to the dead. And it was an amazing body. He could pass through a wall and be there in the presence of his disciples. Remember what he said to them as they were freaked out? He said, he said, touch me. Go ahead, touch me. Touch the scars. Give me something to eat. And he ate in front of them so that they would realize, wow, this is, this is a body. This isn't a ghost that we're seeing. It's kind of a picture of, of what we have to look forward to someday. Paul goes on in verse 48 and he says, earthly people are like the earthly man and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday, he says, be like the heavenly man. Paul goes on in the book of Philippians and uh, he shares this with the folks. He says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. 
and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Now, here's what I want to do. Instead of explaining everything I've just said, I, I want to illustrate it for you, all right? So I'm going to give you a picture of what we're talking about here, all right? So let me start out by showing you a picture of some beautiful flowers, all right? So take a look uh, at these flowers. They're, they're gorgeous, aren't they? They're just stunning and beautiful. Imagine that is your resurrected body, all right? Now, before these flowers bloomed and became so beautiful, look how they started out. They started out as these very ugly bulbs, right? I mean, nothing very attractive about those. But when you put those in the ground, what happens? Well, they die to themselves and they take on a new identity, that beautiful tulip, that beautiful flower that you see. That's what's going to happen with you and that's what's going to happen with me. What we have now compared to what it's going to be well, it's hardly a comparison. It's, it's, it's going to be like a brand, like slipping into a brand new car, okay? Our resurrected bodies. What we have to look forward to is very exciting. So what I want to do is I want to share with you what uh, Robert Morgan, pastor and author, describes as seven fantastic facts about the resurrected body. Let's take a look at them together. Here's the first one. Ready? Our resurrected bodies will be incapable of dying. Our resurrected bodies will be incapable of dying. That's pretty exciting. Second principle. Our resurrected bodies will be incapable of pain and tears. It says, for instance, in Revelation 21, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. What a day that is going to be. Third principle. Our resurrected bodies will be physical, and they will be recognizable. They'll be physical and recognizable. That is, I'll know you, and you'll know me. You'll recognize me because you know what I look like. Now, I know as soon as I say that, some of you are thinking to yourself, ah, oh, I don't want to look the same. I want to have hair this time, or I want to be like Pastor Dale and have no hair, or uh, just kidding. Or I want to be like a certain celebrity or movie star or athlete. I want a buff body or I want a skinny body or whatever. I want to be tall or I want to be short or whatever it is. Now, just think about what you're, what you're thinking, what you're saying. It's all based on what the culture is telling you you're supposed to look like. And so the good news is that there's not going to be an expectation like that in the new heavens and the new earth. You'll be loved as you are. You will be handsome and beautiful as you are. There'll be no judgment about that. It's not going to be like a, you know, a Miss uh, Heaven contest or a, or a uh, Mr. New Earth contest. There's not going to be, you know, airbrushed photos around of those who are in heaven and earth with us. None of that, none of that. You'll be loved and valued for who you are, as you are. And that's heaven, isn't it? That is a lot to look forward to. Next principle, our resurrected bodies may have super dimensional qualities, just like Jesus did. 
Uh, just read in Luke 24, or John 20, or Acts 1, 8, what his body was capable of. Whether it was ascending up, you know, into the sky, back to the Father. Or whether it was moving through those walls in that locked room where the disciples were hiding and Jesus just suddenly appeared. Our bodies will be absolutely amazing. You know, I, I, I love to study some aspects of physics. I'm not very smart, but I like to read what smart people say. And quantum physics is fascinating, and string theory is fascinating. I talked about this a couple of years ago, and you know, scientists now theorize that there are many dimensions around us, and if we could molecularly change our bodies, we could actually move into those various dimensions. So in a sense, heaven is not up there. Heaven could be like right here. It's just a near dimension. And so my loved ones, you know, who've gone to be with the Lord, are probably closer to me than I realize but it's in a different dimension. Death allows me, as my spirit is released, to transition into that dimension. My body someday, when my spirit is joined to my resurrected body, will allow me to transition into many dimensions. It's very exciting to think about. All right, let's look at another principle. Our resurrected bodies will be in the prime of life. Now, we don't know exactly, you know, when you get your resurrected body, what age will it be? We, I don't, we don't know those things. The guess is, the guess is maybe it will be the age of Jesus when he rose from the dead, 33 years old or so. Maybe that's what our resurrected bodies will resemble, all right, is, is that of a 33-year-old? I don't know, all right? We'll find out. It's going to be better than we could imagine. Number six, our racial and gender identities as male and female, will continue in heaven. All right? So here's what's so cool. When we get to heaven, okay, if we're black, we are black. If we're white, we're white. If we're brown, we're brown. Whatever color, it doesn't matter. We'll still speak our, our native languages from around the world. It's going to be an amazing experience. I mean, just look at these verses for a moment. It says in Revelation 5, And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seal and open it. For you are slaughtered and your bloodless ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Look at this next verse. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They're clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they are worshiping God. Can you imagine? Someday you and I will be standing next to people and they're going to be worshiping God in Tamil. They're going to be worshiping God in um, Chinese, Mandarin, perhaps. They'll be worshiping God in uh, German. They'll be worshiping God in French. They'll be worshiping God in Spanish. And we're all going to understand each other. And God loves, God loves the different languages. He loves the different cultures. He loves the different colors. He's created, including our skin. This should, put to, you know, this should put to rest all the issues of bigotry that exist in our world today. God created us all uniquely, differently, beautifully. And we'll be worshiping him that way together in heaven. It's exciting to think about, isn't it? And then finally, this principle, number seven. In our resurrected bodies, we will emanate with the glory of which God gives us. We'll emanate with the glory, literally emanate with the glory that God gives us. You know, in the scriptures, in the gospels, when Jesus stood on the Mount of Transfiguration, he, he shone a brightness. He, he shone with a glory about him. 
And if you read about him in Revelation chapter one, he's, he's just emanates with glory, luminescent with glory. If you go back to Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah are there with Jesus and they emanate with the glory of God as well. Or you go back in the Old Testament, Moses is on Mount Sinai, he's in God's presence. And when he comes down, it says his face glowed so brightly they told him to cover it up. And of course that glory faded. Well, guess what? In God's presence, in his shared glory that he gives to us, we too will emanate with that presence. We'll emanate with that glory. That is very exciting to begin to think about. So now let's transition a little bit here. And let's actually start to talk about the new heavens and the new earth that God is going to recreate for us to inhabit and be a part of with our new resurrected bodies. Let's go and look at a couple of passages of scripture. Let's start, for instance, in Isaiah. Look what it says. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth, Isaiah says. So already back in the Old Testament, this is being promised to us. Or let's see what Peter has to say. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So Peter says, look, we've got something to really look forward to in a culture and a, in a time when righteousness rules, God's righteousness, none of this corruption that we've had to put up with in this world for all of history. Or to Revelation, it says that I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there's no longer any sea. I saw the holy sea, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, it's hard to figure that all out, how much of it's symbolic, how much of it is literal. But again, it is better than you can imagine. It is greater than you and I can imagine. And nature itself cannot wait for this change. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. He said, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. God created everything, right? Through Christ. Colossians says Jesus created everything in the heavens and everything in the earth. Everything. And there's a sense in which nature is groaning to get back to what it was always meant to be. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. I don't know if you are picking it up or not, but throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, there is this expectation that there's something more to come. New heavens, new earth. And there's this huge expectation that there's new bodies that are to come. I mean, Revelation actually takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. The end, we go back to the beginning, the way God always intended it to be, and for him to fellowship with us as well. Have you ever wondered to yourself what your first day in the new heavens and on the new earth might be like? 
There's a lot of scripture that kind of speaks to that. And as I've said, some of it you have to take symbolically, some of it literally, but no matter how you take it, it is going to be better than anything you can imagine. So let's just for a moment, uh, let's just bow from the scripture. Let's use our imagination. Think of what it's going to be like. First of all, new heavens, new earth, perfect creation. You're in your resurrected body. There's no suffering. There's no pain. It's a perfect body. You can breathe. There's no chemical. There's no pollution. As you walk along, you see the strangest sights that you never saw on the old earth. You see a bear walking next to a boy. No threat, no danger. You see a lion lying next to a lamb. No predator thing going on there. Safe and it's good. You have a dwelling place better than any place you could have ever imagined living on this earth. You know, some people have literally speculated about this. It's kind of interesting that for God to do everything he says he's going to do, that it may require that he, makes, he remakes the earth to be actually bigger. Some people have said, well, to get everybody in, I mean, New Jerusalem might have to tower up 1,400 miles into space. We don't know those things, all right? We don't know those things. So be grand, so be glorious. You're going to be able to do things on the new earth that you never were able to get accomplished or do on the old earth. Places you always wanted to go. Mountains you always wanted to climb. Rivers you always wanted to swim. Things you always wanted to explore. Stuff you wanted to do, you're going to be able to do it. You're going to have your gifts and your abilities that you're going to be able to use the way you always wanted to use them. You'll have the cosmos to explore. You'll have responsibility given to you. You will not grow bored. You know, our minds cannot comprehend what God still has ahead for us. And it's pure and it's good and it's exciting. You'll be able to eat, drink and enjoy. You'll have fellowship with others and friendship closer than anything you've ever experienced before on this earth. What a privilege it is to be born, to be created. What a privilege it is to be saved and redeemed. What a privilege it is to know there's so much ahead of us. It causes us in this difficult life we're living in now to be able to live with hope and a sense of joy because we know what's coming, what the future holds for us. But do you know what the best thing is going to be? Watch this. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. You might be thinking to yourself, I thought the Bible said you can't look at God and live. Well, if you go back to John 14, where we started, Philip asked the question of Jesus. He said, if you show us the Father, then we would believe. And Jesus said to him, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And we will see Jesus. He will rule over us. He will reign over us. And when we look into the face of Jesus, we'll be looking into the face of God himself. Some of us have loved ones who are already looking on the face of Jesus. I don't know what form they have right now, if it's in a temporary bodily form. I don't know how it is, but their full consciousness is there and they're gazing upon Christ. They're enjoying him. And they're enjoying him. 
I love some aspects of, of poetry that speak so clearly and so powerfully. And Calvin Miller wrote a poem and it's a very short one, but it captures a lot of what we're talking about. And I just, I just want to read it for you. So this is what Calvin Miller wrote. He said, I once scorned every fearful thought of death when it was but the end of pulse and breath. But now my eyes have seen that past that pain, there is a world that's waiting to be claimed. Earthmaker, holy, let me now depart for living such a temporary art. And dying is but getting dressed for God. Our graves are merely doorways cut inside. Or John Donne, who wrote these words. I shall rise from the dead. I shall see the Son of God, the Son of glory, and shine myself as the sun shines. I shall be united to the Ancient of Days, God himself, who had no morning, never begun. No man ever saw God and lived, and yet I shall not live until I see God. And when I have seen him, I shall never die. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the joy that awaits us, the hope that's around the bend, the nearness of heaven to us even right now. God, I pray that all of us have a sense of peace in our lives, that we are ready to meet you, ready to be embraced by you. And if you're listening to me, wherever you are in the world right now, and you don't have that peace, you don't have that assurance, if you just would reach out to us, please, just email us. We'd love to share with you how you can have the confidence, that peace and that hope because God wants it for you. Do that right away. Email us here at the church. Let's have that conversation. But I want you to know that whether one that you love has passed on ahead of you or whether you're thinking about yourself, there's coming a day when there's not gonna be any more night no more pain, no more darkness, no more loneliness, but only the presence and the light of Christ himself. I want to invite you to just sit back for a few moments and listen to this beautiful song as it describes what we're looking forward to. Earth and heaven will pass away. It's not a dream. God will make all things new. That day gone is the curse. 
from which I stumbled and fell. Evil is banished to eternal hell. No more night, no more pain. Never crying again. Praises to the great I am. We will live in the light of the reason. All around now the nations bow down to sing the only sound is the praises of Christ our King slowly the names from the book are read I know there's no need, no need to dread. Oh, no more night, no more pain, no more tears, never crying again. the great I am. We will live in the light of the risen Lamb. See over there, there's a mansion prepared just for me, where I can live with my Savior. Eternally, no more night, no more pain, no more tears, never crying again. Praises to Listen, thank you for joining me this weekend and thinking about heaven. I don't know, did that song move your heart? I was listening to it the other night and 
I just had tears streaming down my eyes as I thought about my mom and I thought about others whom I love who've gone ahead and kind of made me a little bit, a little bit jealous where they are, what they have. And it gave me great hope what I'm looking forward to, what I'm going to have someday as well. Listen, if you don't have that assurance, make sure you get a hold of us. We want to have a conversation with you about knowing Jesus and knowing the hope of heaven. God bless you all.